Last week I started a mini-series called Keys. And I gave us a super key right at the beginning or very early in that message. And the super key was this, be convinced of God. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans in chapter 4, verse 21, said he was finally convinced that God is able to do, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promises. He was speaking of Abraham. Abraham was fully convinced. God said he was going to give him a son. He was unable to have children. His wife was, his wife's womb was closed. They were both very, very old, but he was convinced. Are we fully convinced of God this morning? I then went on to give you three, three descriptors of what keys represent. Keys represent the ability to unlock and to lock. Keys allow us into things or keep us out of things. Keys symbolize authority. They represent a person's right to enter. Last week, I handed Sam my house key. And by handing him my house key, it gives him authority to come into my house. But also, keys symbolize the, that with the key, you have access to not just the house, but everything in it. And I said, when I gave, key my Sam to my, gave my key to Sam to my house, I also gave him authority to go to my fridge. That's all good. You're a fridge friend. <laughs> who knows what a fridge friend is? Not very many. A fridge friend is someone who can come to your house and as they're saying hi to you, they go straight to your fridge. That's a fridge friend. You're a fridge friend. <laughs> but it was that access that I further unpacked last week and I gave you a partial scripture at the beginning where it says where Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will give you the king keys of the kingdom of heaven. And I talked about there's no point in just having a key if you don't use it. A key on its own is useless until you use it. But then I overlaid that over the super key about being convinced of God because you see, if we're convinced of God and, and, and the value and the purpose and the anointing and the salvation and the healing and the deliverance and the forgiveness that comes through God, then there's, there's no point in just being able to mentally ascend to, to, yep, I agree. See, true faith is acting on the convinced. And I've, I've used intentionally a, a picture of a gearbox up here on the slides because you know what? In a gearbox, it doesn't matter how big or how small the gear is. When those gears are fully meshed correctly and they're laced in the oil of the Holy Spirit. So I needed a bit of oil in there as well. It doesn't matter how big the gear is, every gear helps every gear turn. Every gear helps every gear turn in a gearbox. Doesn't matter whether it's a little one or a big one. But every gear with the correct oil, correctly meshed, helps every gear turn. And so before we go anywhere else into this series, part two, I just want to, let's just pause and let's just open our hearts a bit more. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I stand here and I take authority over everything and anything that would try and steal the truth of your word out of people's hearts and minds today. Lord, I declare a line of your blood brought protection around this entire property. Lord, I know that angels and demons exist, and I ask that you would, you would station angels around this entire property. Let it be as it were in the Old Testament when Elisha asked you to open the eyes of his servant, and he looked and he saw the hills and the mountains lined with the angelic host. Grant over us this place and open heaven today that your truth, your word, your anointing, your breath would fill this place. 
for the glory of your name and the purposes of your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. That full scripture that is the key scripture for this series, Matthew 16, verse 19. Remember, Jesus is literally speaking this statement to his disciples. And so if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are one of his disciples. So this statement spoken to his disciples then is as accurate, real, and active for you as a disciple of Christ today. It says this, I will give you, say me. He's going to give you, me, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind or lock on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or unlock on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this promise has a condition. That condition is that we repent of our sins. We believe in the name of Jesus Christ. And we willingly and genuinely confess our faith in him. And if we will do that, the scripture says we are saved, but also the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and he will give you the key, which is himself. And I got all excited and I jumped up on the seats last week because what does that mean? That means that what he opened, no one can close. That means heaven is open to you, won't be shut. That means you can't be locked out, canceled out, thrown out or forgotten about. Do you need to hear that again this morning? You can't be locked out. You can't be canceled out. You can't be thrown out or forgotten about. Amen. Amen. So let's get a little bit practical. It's all very good, me standing up here like a talking head and giving you theology and theory. But let's get a little bit practical. What are some of the applicable keys or the habits that we can establish to build a lifestyle of faith that's pleasing to God? And I put that pleasing to God in there on purpose. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 from the New Living Translation Bible says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to Him, one, must believe that God exists. And two, that He rewards those who, three, sincerely seek Him. Now let me read that to you again out of the Message Translation. It is impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. I love that line. He cares enough to respond to you, to you, to you when you seek him. And to you, those of you who are online this morning, he cares enough if you believe that he exists and you sincerely and genuinely search for him, he cares enough to respond. So here we go. Key number one. These aren't going to be rocket science, but they are foundational. Key number one is God's word. As we journey through this year, the key that opens and gives us access to every spiritual blessing, all wisdom, all knowledge, and every victory is the Bible. It is irrefutably the word of God. Psalm 119, verse 105, as Christians, we quote this in abandon. His word is a lamp that go to guide my feet and a light for my path. We say that, we bumper sticker it, we license plate it, we screensaver it, but do you actually activate it? It's a key that must be used. There was a, a, a study done where 40,000 people between the ages of 8 and 80 
were questioned around how regular they read the word of God. And this, the, the result was staggering. So regular Bible engagement, that was the phrase they use. Bible engagement, regular Bible engagement. What does that mean? Getting into God's word and letting God's word get into you. When it was done at least four times a week, these are the results. Feeling lonely drops 30%. Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith jumps 200%. And discipling others jumps 230%. I want to give you a warning this morning. Reading your Bible is dangerous. If you're happy with your boring, static life, don't read the Bible. <laughs> I bet you've never heard a preacher say that. Actually, I'm, it's kind of reverse psychology, really, you know. A really poor attempt at it. Read your Bible! <laughs> It'll change your life! It will unlock stuff like nothing else can. What's really interesting was that staggering jump happened at four or more times a week. One, two, or three. One and two, it was like, eh, meh. Just reading your Bible once or twice a week is really meh. That's a good Kiwi word for those of you from other language, other nations. Meh. Means nothing. Three times is eh. So we go from meh to eh. Four times, boom! Yeah, yeah, it goes meh, eh, boom! <laughs> move on, Tom, move on. Key number one, that's the word of God. Key number two, prayer. When something amazing or something tragic happens in our lives, what is one of our first responses? We want to share it with someone. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever walked down the road and seen something amazing? You're walking down the road with a friend and you see something amazing and you turn around and go, hey, and you hit them and go, wow, check that out, and realize the person beside you is not your friend? Anyone else ever done that? <laughs> you just have to spend the next 10 minutes apologizing. But when you see something amazing and just to, to share it, it's like, oh, and if you're going through something difficult to share it, it's like, you know, the, the statement, a problem shared is a problem halved. We've all heard that, but you know, that's not the whole phrase. The whole phrase is this, a problem shared is a problem halved, but the carrying capacity is doubled. A problem shared is a problem halved, but the carrying capacity is doubled. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is, sharing a two-way conversation between you and God. When we pray about all things, we're going to hear from God more, and we'll be able to align our thoughts and our actions and our words more with what we hear. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 says this, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Oh, my word, those two verses. Again, we can just read them and go, oh, yeah, that's very nice. But let's just unpack them. Eh? Let's just spend a, minute, a couple of minutes unpacking them. 
Instead, pray about everything. You know what? There isn't a single part of your life that God is not interested in. For all you young men out there who are desiring a wife, let's just go there this morning. Do you know how interested in that God is? I had a list, a written list. It used to sit in my drawer next to my bed in my barrack block when I was in the forces. And I would get it out and I would pray it. And it got to the point where I didn't need to get the list out because I knew it off my heart. When Suzanne uh, was carrying our children, we would pray. We would pray over her tummy every night. And we would say, we, would, we had a list of things. God, this is, a, this is a miracle you're fearfully and wonderfully knitting together. We didn't mind whether it was a boy or girl. But we had specific things that... God, is someone that's going to love you and love people, going to eat well, going to sleep well. You know, what parent doesn't want a kid to eat well and sleep well? You know, both our boys were sleeping through the night from six weeks old. It kind of sounds weird, but we got what we ordered. <laughs> it works. My dad was, Dad, I want to buy a car. He goes, great. What does it look like? I said, it's a car. He goes, does it have wheels? on? <laughs> What color is it? How big the engine is? Oh, big. <laughs> my dad said, you need to learn how to pray specific, son. And this is how I learned. My dad taught me, pray about everything. God is interested in everything. Then it goes, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. You know what? It's not wrong to ask God for the things, the needs that are in your life. But you know what? Let's not overlook what he has done. For a start, he died on the cross. Let us not overlook that. Let's not overlook the answers that God has given us. This is if instead pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. You will experience God's peace. Who doesn't want peace? Who, just, who does not want peace today? This is one of the most powerful ways to obtain it. How? Prayer. If you want peace in your life, use the key. Prayer. This is which exceeds anything we can understand. I, I want to pause on this because there's a couple of things I just want to speak into this morning. I feel quite... His peace will exceed anything we can understand. You know what? We don't need to understand it. I literally have met with and counseled people who destroy the peace in their life because they cannot put a tangible reason to why they're having peace. It's like, why? I said, does it matter? Yes, it does. Are you at peace right now? No, I'm not. You know why? No. It's because you want an answer, but God's word says you won't be able to understand it. Well, I should. Why? Because <laughs> we rob ourselves of so much joy. We rob ourselves of so much revelation. We rob ourselves of so much wonder from God because it has to fit inside our brain. No, it doesn't. If you try and fit God in your head, it will blow it apart. I'll let you be as pictorially graphic as you like <laughs> on that. 
you don't need to understand. But let's not forget that he gives us a peace that's beyond our understanding. The second thing I feel so compelled is that it's kind of like we are so, so ingrained in the click and swipe world that God will answer a prayer and he'll give us peace. We'll go, sweet, thanks, and then move on. Don't move on. Actually pause. Actually stop. Actually go, oh my goodness. Wow. Thanks. I don't get it. That's fine. That's what the word says. You won't understand it. name just soak. Let his word just soak. Just let it soak. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. The book of Proverbs in Proverbs 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your hearts, because out of it come the issues of life. How do we guard our hearts? Prayer. How do we know that? His peace will guard your hearts and minds. As you live in Christ. Oh, okay. As you live in Christ. Can I, can I tell you that prayer is not a one-off thing, but it's a lifestyle thing. It's a habit thing. You know, when we go out of our house, we go out, we lock the door, and when we come back, we unlock the door. Sometimes when we walk away from things, we need to lock them and leave them locked. But sometimes we need to come back and open them up again and bring them before God again. It's a process. It's a lifestyle. And you know what? Prayer is a mix of assigned things. It's assigned time. Prayer, prayer can be like a chunk of time. Prayer can be a burst. Prayer can be a cry, an exaltation. It can be a quiet conversation. And guess what? Prayer can happen anywhere and at any time. And prayer being a two-way conversation, that means God can answer anywhere and at any time. I, I caught up with a friend uh, just this week, and we were having a coffee, and we were just talking things of God and everything. And we were talking about this very subject. It was fascinating. I was like, he's been in my office and looked at my laptop. He, he hadn't. But he was like really wrestling with something with God. He was like, God, and he's working through some stuff. And, and he's like, God, would you answer me? And, and he didn't. Later that day, he was out in the backyard and he was hanging up. He, he was hanging up some washing on the clothesline, and and all of a sudden, God went, "Hey!" Gave him the answer while he was hanging out the washing. Who'd have thought? It can happen anywhere, anytime. It can be assigned time. Bursts, cries, exaltations, quiet conversations, anywhere, anytime. 
And you know what? If you want something else to prove that prayer is good for you, the National Institute of Health funded a study across the United States, and this is what they discovered, that those who prayed daily were shown to be 40% less likely to have high blood pressure than those without a regular prayer practice. <laughs> Hello. Hello. But I don't know how to pray into things. Do you know how to worry? Do you know how to stew over things? Guess what? You know how to pray. You really know how to. You know how to really pray. If you really worry, you know how to really pray. You just got to change the focus. Okay. In the next 30 seconds, I'm going to give you another half an hour. Um, no, no, no. Here's your third key. So read the Bible, pray. Here's your third key. Fellowship with practicing Christians. Oh, what? Did that, did that sound a little off? Practicing Christians, excuse me? Is there a difference? Yes. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, As Some people have given up the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. I want to read that to you out of, that was out of the, the concise English version. I want to read it to you out of the message version. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that God keeps, that, um, promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we say, see the big day approaching. You know what? Confessed faith is good, but confessed faith is not a destination. Confessed faith is good, but it is not a destination. True faith in action is true faith is action, practice, and behavior with other believers. Here's the biblical pattern out of Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 46. In my Bible, it, 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 it titles this portion of Scripture, The Believers Form a Community. It says this in 40, verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Teaching, fellowship, prayer. Hello? The Word of God, prayer, fellowship. Verse 46 says this, They worshipped together at... The temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. Did you know what? Gathering again is not a destination. Gathering is a practice. Gathering is a lifestyle. Gathering is a mix of numbers and a mix of locations. It includes everyone together in the temple. Or today. Here, everyone gathering together in the church. Fellowship, again, varying numbers, varying locations, but done in common. Get, where did they meet? They met and they gathered in the temple. They gathered in homes and they gathered where there was common interest. What does that look like in the church of today, in this church? Well, Sundays are a passionate day of worship and you guys have just been amazing at that today. Thank you. It's so good to worship with people like you. But guess what? We have 
connect groups that happen during the week. We've got youth group that happens during the week. We've got young adults that happens during the week. Temple, homes, common interest. The guys, we're planning to climb Mount Richmond at the end of February. Common interest. But we gather in fellowship and we can pray together and we can share a meal together. Even on the side of a mountain or four-wheel driving or in a cafe over a coffee. Gathering is both geographical, but it's even more a practice and a lifestyle. We want to, you know, there's only so much church that can happen on a Sunday morning. For an hour to an hour and a half, or for those who love to linger and chat, two, two and a half. (laughs) But you know what? We really dig into the things of God when we get together in smaller numbers as well. There's a statement that we have over at church, to get bigger, we must get smaller. It's both growth and growth. And we get to dig into things and we get to step out in faith and pray for each other a little bit easier when we're in a smaller group than we do on a Sunday when we're all together. It's not either or, it's both and. We gather in the temple. There's the pattern in the word of God. But then we gather in homes or we gather in common interest. I mean, the youth group doesn't need an old fart like me hanging around with them. They're going to do stuff that just going to, I'll be exhausted in five minutes. But they not, may not be able to keep up with me up the mountain. Maybe not. Anyway, um, but, or the young adults. You know, it's common interest. It's things that, but as we gather together in the name of the Lord, it's like there is power and fellowship. Undeniable power and fellowship. Now, as I bring this thing into land, I wanted to show you something tangible this morning about this whole fellowship thing. Because I know as a pastor, when I speak about gathering, it sounds very self-serving. Because I do like you all to come on Sunday. Let's just be real. But when it comes to life, reading the Word, praying, and fellowshipping with practicing believers is significant. Um, uh, I was doing some reading and some research, and I came across a a paper that was put together by the Barna Institute, which is one of the world's largest Uh, research and analytic gathering companies in the world. Um, And Barna collects and collates research from all corners. And uh, they collected a research that, um, some research that was done by the Harvard University. And this particular research was done around human flourishing. So Harvard University examined the topic of human flourishing in depth And when they studied the word flourishing, they looked through the lens of relationships, vocations, and uh, flourishing in other key dimensions of life. And they asked over a thousand people to answer a questionnaire with zero to ten, zero being abysmal, ten being totally rocks, okay? And then they they based this on two questions, in your relationship is, is, are you relationally satisfied and relationally content, all right? And they collated the answers only of those who answered with a 9 or a 10. And this is the graph that shows it. The orange, okay, it was done in the U.S. The orange is of U.S. adults. Now, these are people who are not, they're not people who believe, okay? They're just, they're they're non-believers. So 34% of the people that were asked ticked 9 or a 10 to say they were both satisfied and content in their relationship. 
The blue column is Christian or churched adults. 58% said that they were content and satisfied in their relationships. 67% said, I am content with my friendships, and they are practicing Christians. 29% of non-churched adults were satisfied with their relationships. 54% of churched adults were satisfied. 60% of practicing Christian churched adults were satisfied. And then the average is 28, 52, and 61. There is a significant markup when we read the word, when we pray, and when we fellowship with practicing believers. Now, I could stand up here this morning and I could give you a hundred motivational TED Talk quotes. But I don't want to do that. What I want to do is give you the foundational building blocks. Read your word. Pray about everything. Fellowship regularly. In the temple, in homes, and in common groups. Last week, I, I, I encouraged everyone. I said, make one decision, not 52. Make one decision, not 52. Make one decision at the beginning of the year that it doesn't matter what the week is. These are, are not negotiable. Church, read your Bible, pray, fellowship. These done regularly. I, I, go, I started my message last week with a quote from James Clear. It says this, new goals don't deliver new results. New lifestyles do. And a lifestyle is a process, not an outcome. For this reason, all our energy should go into building better habits, not chasing better results. Now, I'm a list guy. I love to have a list and I love to tick my list off. And sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I write on my list everything that I've already done and I take it off. So my list looks good. <laughs> Just a wee confession there. <laughs> But you know what? If I start every single day with a tick-the-box mentality, then my entire life becomes a results-based life. And I set myself up for disappointment and discouragement. And I don't, in, in doing this wee mini-series, uh, we've got Ian preaching next week, and then Suze is going to preach the week after that. But so in rounding out this mini-series this morning, I did not want to give you as the church both on-site and online, I did not want to give you a to-do list. Rather, I wanted to give you keys to a lifestyle. Read your word. Read the word of God. Pray. Fellowship regularly. And you know what? If you hit a roadblock or if you miss a day, start again. Let the next day be day one. Don't be discouraged. Psalm 43 verse 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Instead of putting my hope in my ability to tick all the boxes, I'm going to put my hope in the one who holds all things together. What does that look like? Have a look at this graphic. Make the decision. Do the decision. Repeat the do. And then establish the do. And then make the decision. Do the decision, repeat the decision, establish it, repeat the do, establish the do. And it's just, and you know what? That might go fast, it might go slow, and there might be a uh, somewhere between one, two, three, or four. But you know what? If you do have a uh, then start at one. Make the decision. 
do the decision, repeat the do, establish the do. And that will create within you a lifestyle. If it's helpful, use the uh, Uvision Bible app. It has, a, it has a, a, a statistic thing on it. It illustrates how many days in a row you've done and how many weeks in a row you've done. I, that sort of stuff. I kind of like that sort of stuff. And so I'm good, good. <laughs> it helps. It keeps me motivated. I want to wrap this up uh, this morning. Um, as I was praying into this for myself, I was asking God to give me a fresh love for the bread of his word. Um, what I would have loved to have done this morning is I would have loved to have had strategically placed all over the auditorium steaming loaves of fresh hot bread with crusty, with crust on them. I, I, everyone's going, I just lost you all right there, didn't I? With lashings of butter and some honey or peanut butter and, and just the steam and the... Is there anyone here who doesn't like fresh hot bread? Oh, I'm in good company. We'll pray for you, sir. (laughs) I am in good company. Anyway, I was literally praying and I was saying, God, I just want to, can you give me a a fresh desire, like a a, a hunger for the bread of your word? And I I had this realization. It was like God went, I'm going to show you something, son. And I suddenly was like, and I go, oh yeah, uh, you know, you kind of, you're like those, those um, Disney cartoons. All I could see was floating loaves of warm, steamy, hot bread. I was like, that's a great revelation, God. Thank you so much. But then the realization was this. You know what? I eat bread almost every day. I really enjoy bread. <laughs> I really do. Thank you, Jesus, for a system that's good with bread. And you know what? It's a real pleasure. And it's even a greater pleasure when it's warm and it's steaming, and it's crusty, and it's the aroma. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. And then I just was like, oh my word. I eat bread almost every day, and I don't even think twice about it. And I love it. Thank you, God. And so I want to pray a prayer over you as I finish this this morning. Would you stand with me? Don't worry, we, uh, worship team, we, we won't finish with a song this morning. They're all sitting there going, when's he going to ask us to come up? What song are we going to do? <laughs> I want to pray this prayer over you this morning that I wrote when I realized how much I love bread <laughs> and how much I want to love the bread of the word of God. Picture yourself holding a nice loaf of bread. (laughs) Here we go. Breathe deeply. Ready? Go. Here we go. Oh, Lord of our heart, may we enjoy your bread, your word, even more than a warm, fresh loaf of bread with its crusty outer. May we breathe deeply of the living aroma of your word. May our hands be covered in the flower of your plans. May our spirit feel the rising power of the yeast of your Holy Spirit anointing. And, O oh Lord, please, may we be as hungry for you as we are for a fresh loaf of warm bread. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. 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 Amen.
Now, I want to tell you now, I do not have a commission retainer with the bakery across the road. No, I don't. Folks, just if there's anything that Suzanne and I desire the most for you is that this year would be a year where you will encounter God through His Word, through prayer, and through fellowship more than you ever have in your entire lives. That your lives would be, the the Scriptures say that the measure that God wants us to be filled is filled with the fullness of Him. We will never be able to understand that, so let's not try, but let's just pause and go, yes, please, God. Father, I thank you for these people. Spirit of the living God, over them now, would you pour your anointing. Folks, in the name of Jesus, I bless you. I bless your rising in the morning and your laying down to sleep at night. I bless your homes that they would be, as the Bible describes, filled with the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit. That you would know what it is to live and move and have your being by Him, the power of heaven. And that your hands would be empowered by the grace of God. That your souls would be refreshed by the presence of God. And that your spirit would be fed by the bread of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. One more thing. We are having a baptism out at family camp in three weeks' time on Saturday afternoon. I already have five names of people who want to get baptized. If you have not been baptized, the scriptures say repent and be baptized. It's not the great suggestion. It's actually a command from God. And so um, if you're not coming to camp, it doesn't matter. If you want to be part of that, then come out on Saturday. Uh, This year we have chosen, we've decided that we're actually going to do two services. We're going to do one out at camp and we'll also be doing church here on Sunday. Um, Just simply because the church has grown like it has and not everyone's going out to camp. So uh, Suze and myself and Becca, we're going to come in. We'll do church on Sunday morning and Amber and Sam and Mark and Steph are going to take church out at camp on Sunday. So church is going to happen there and here, but the baptisms are going to be on Saturday. So if you've not been baptized and you want to be, it would be just an honor to see you and encourage you go through the waters of baptism. Amen. Amen. You know what? Before you go, hunt down someone you've never met before and introduce yourself. Go. (laughs) God bless you guys. Thank you, Dylan.